We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. For 400 years, golf has been a gentleman's game. A game of tradition, etiquette, and above all, sportsmanship. Until now. Y'all ready for this? Meet Happy Gilmore. He was a hockey player. He's driving the game of golf. Why didn't you just go home? That's your home! Are you too good for your home? Answer me! Straight into the ground. Damn you people, this is golf! I'm Bob Barker. Looks like you and I are going to be playing together today. This guy sucks. All right, let's go. Universal Pictures presents Adam Sandler. The price is wrong, Bob. As golf's missing link. Happy Gilmore. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Big thanks to everyone who checked out last week's episode. It was He Got Game with Mike Schubert. Thanks to everyone who chipped into Mike's Kickstarter for his new project, Modern Muckraker. If you haven't yet, still plenty of time. Go do that. The uh, The link to that Kickstarter is still going to be in, in this episode's show notes. Also, want to give a huge, thank, huge thanks to you, the listeners, for the five-star reviews lately. This past month, I've had more five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and I think any month since I started the podcast, which extremely pleasant surprise. Don't really know uh, how, how to explain that, but thank you to everyone. Uh, if you're a listener who hasn't done that yet, or this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports, tap that five-star button on Apple Podcasts, and if you're enjoying the show, tell me about it in the form of a five-star review. Uh, again, huge thanks to everyone doing that, and thanks to everyone who, as always, who subscribes and listens every single Monday. Now, folks, it is, it's time for a tradition like any other. It's Masters Week, so we had to talk a golf movie, and I had to have one of my favorite guests to return to the show. He's a podcaster and contributor over at the, the new website, Outsider, Wes Blankenship. Wes, thanks for returning to Big Screen Sports. Kyle, you know, I, I don't know how many of your uh, guests have made it three times on the show, but I feel pretty honored to be in that special circle. You are a part of a, a small fraternity now. You've uh, you joined me in the past to talk Talladega Nights. You joined me to talk high school football movies. Uh, today we are talking an all-time golf movie, but before we get into that, Wes, you tell me about Outsider. You got a new gig, man. What's going on? Yeah, thanks for uh, allowing me to talk about that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a new site and it's founded by 
the individual that started Rivals, the recruiting site, and 24-7 as well. And both of those have been massive hits, but you may not be aware of this. Uh, his name's Shannon Terry. He also started comicbook.com and popculture.com. And these sites have been just just accelerated. They've blown up. Uh, comicbook.com is really coming along at the perfect time with all the MCU movies taking off. So uh, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm excited to be on the team. That includes uh, Marty Smith as well from ESPN. He's uh, working on some projects. And it's really in the avenue of being outside. If you're uh, interested in hunting, fishing, and that kind of thing, it's also really built heavily upon uh, country music. So if you're a country music fan, um, we'll be doing a lot of interviews and podcasts and storytelling along those lines as well. So uh, it's a very specific type of uh, demographic, obviously, that we're looking at. But um, I think a lot of people can find something entertaining or, or find something that they enjoy uh, in our in our content as well. Hunting and fishing, much like golf, uh, in the past year have actually, uh, a lot of people have found those activities that have gotten a nice outdoor activities where you can stay very safely distanced from people. Yeah. Not, not only that, but just like mountain climbing, hiking, skiing, like that, those are all the types of things that, uh, we'll have like subject matter experts on and, and be writing about and talking about and that kind of thing. So it might seem a little bit different from your, uh, you know, outdoor media enthusiasts, uh, it might, it might be a little bit different, uh, than what you're used to. Um, but that's, that's what we're working on and, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Oh, Wes, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what you guys come up with there. And, uh, real quick before we dive into the all-time classic, happy Gilmore, uh, we are releasing this on, on Monday, April 5th. Uh, the masters are this week, Wes, you gotta give me a, gotta give me a pick. Who's taking it home. Who's taking the green jacket. Well, Unfortunately, I, I can't pick Tiger Woods. Um, I really hope Tiger can find a way to get back, if not to the golfer that he had been um, as of late, just trying to piece things together. Um, just excited and and hopeful uh, to see what he has left in the tank at some point down the road. Um, I'm going to go... I know this isn't much of a hot take, but I'm going to take Justin Thomas. I haven't seen him... Um, win that major yet, and uh, he's always always in the mix. So I'm going to go with JT. Coming off a, a great performance of the players, I think he made the cut on the number or just one under the 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 cut line at the the players and won. Um, I am going Spieth. I, he's he's finally got it figured out. Uh, this is going to be Spieth year. But let's switch from uh gold jacket to green jacket. Happy Gilmore, the 1996 comedy. A rejected hockey player puts his skills to the golf course to save his grandmother's house. What a ridiculous plot. Uh, starred Adam Sandler, Julie Bowen, Carl Weathers, and Christopher McDonald, directed by Dennis Dugan, written by Sandler and Tim Harley. Uh, 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, all-time golf film, all-time Adam Sandler film. Wes, I kick it to you. Is this a Hall of Fame, All-Star, Starter, or Benchwarmer sports film? Um, I think it is a Hall of Famer, and... There aren't a ton of golf movies, period. And there aren't a ton of golf movies that are done well. And as ridiculous as this one is, it is a golf movie that a lot of people like. 
It's on TV all the time. I don't know what that test, what that benchmark is called, but you can't go a couple weeks without seeing Happy Gilmore on TV somewhere. Uh, so that means a lot of people probably enjoy it. And because it's a golf movie, I think it fills that category. It checks that box as being a Hall of Famer. Yeah, it's an all-time all-time golf movie, all-time. It's a Hall of Famer for me. I mean, it's kind of slim pickings in the the sports movie world for good golf movies. I mean, I think I think this is easily on the Mount Rushmore. It's pretty much it's this Caddyshack, Tin Cup, and then um, you know, kind of your preference greatest game ever played is good. Bagger mm-hmm. Vance is on Golf Network all the time. It's kind of like right, statue, then, and it, like uh, I was thinking that too. But I was like, is Bagger Vance really that good, or am I just thinking about it because it's one of the other few golf movies that I know about. I think that's a lot of that is it. There are parts of Bagger Vance I really, really like. It's also way too long. It also has a very problematic trope in it, uh, which is one thing where Happy Gilmore is kind of it in, in, in a really good place considering it's it's a comedy from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it's and much like most of the Sandler stuff, it's held up really well. And I mean, and you and I grew up on this this generation of, of Adam Sandler comedies and specifically what he did in this run in the 90s where he goes Billy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Big Daddy, and that is all just in the back half of the 90s. Yeah. Can you make the argument that this is the, yeah, this is the top Sandler movie of the 90s? So I think it depends on what you're looking for. And he does sports movies so well. I mean, there's this, uh, The Water Boy, uh, The Longest Yard, um, which is, I don't know if it's as strong as a sports movie, but if you put Adam Sandler in a sports movie, he's not going to screw it up. That's what I'm trying it's to say. It's another movie that's on TV all the time. Exactly. Um, but it's interesting that you bring that up about it uh, holding, you know, so many Sandler movies uh, standing the test of time. I, I wonder why that is. But when you compare it, everyone wants to compare it to Billy Madison because they come out around the same time. Um, I mean, I, I think Billy Madison's probably a better all-around Sandler movie. I think just because like, not everyone's a fan of sports movies. I think um, it's objectively funnier. Yeah. Billy Madison. I think we get Happy Gilmore on TV all the time. I think I think Happy Gilmore is a little more palatable for most people. I think Billy Madison, you have to be really dialed in to to Sandler's comedy in the 90s. Yeah. It's that absurd Sandler humor to the max. It's got, you know, Norm MacDonald is also in it. I think that's the thing that separates the two is you've got that really, really weird Sandler humor all throughout Billy Madison and all of the supporting cast plays into that with happy Gilmore. It is a little bit more tame and the supporting cast. I don't feel like they're all in on the absurdity as much as they are in Billy Madison. Yeah, that that's a good point in that Billy Madison is, is it's not happening. It's not very based in reality. It's a, it's a, it's ridiculous all the way around. Happy Gilmore is obviously, uh, very fictional, but it's a little more grounded. Um, and I think there's, and then like, I think something like the water boy is a, is a mix in between Billy Madison and happy Gilmore. Um, but I mean, it's an incredible run. I honestly, I go back and forth. I, it is very hard to pick a, um, 
a uh, you know a Sandler movie from the '90s. Like I I go back to Big Daddy, especially ever since becoming a parent. Big Daddy always hits me a, a little different now, um, and it's it's kind of a different. It's like Sandler getting into a different stage too, because he's still being the same you know, man child who, who needs to grow up, which is a, a theme of a lot of these movies for the, you know, the first part of his career, but it, it gets a little more on the, on the serious edge. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, Adam Sandler just could not miss even little Nicky has its moments. Like until, you know, until a certain, until like the mid two thousands, Sandler was just throwing nothing but heat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Big daddy's kind of like a, in some ways it's like a bridge to Mr. Deeds, which he's like a, I mean, he's still got that like childish uh, charm, but it's different. He's not, he's not like outrageously angry or vulgar or anything. It's, it's different, but it does like, it is like a progression of Adam Sandler's characters growing up somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, let's go into the IMDb trivia. This is one every now and then I'll tell listeners, like, go check out the IMDb trivia page because there's a lot of good stuff. There's a ton of fun stuff with this one, as you'd predict from an Adam Sandler movie like this one. Adam Sandler is terrible at both hockey and golf. Uh, Kind of funny because I think he's like, I think he looks fine swinging the club for what he's doing. I mean, he's obviously, you know, the, the happy Gilmore swing is is a it's ridiculous. It's a it's a parody, but he doesn't look like any Adam Sandler looks like a decent athlete. You mentioned um, you mentioned uh, the longest yard where he has to play quarterback, and it's he's passable. You know, it's surprising to hear that trivia because recently the twenty uh, fifth anniversary tweets were all over the timeline, and Adam Sandler himself made a video doing the happy Gilmore swing and he like he claims that he stuck it right down the middle of the fairway now we don't see that from the angle that he shot but I mean he made good contact it sounded really good so I'm surprised to hear that I mean it could be something where he just never plays golf and because of that he's a high handicapper but the guy is athletic enough where you know if he was playing golf a couple times a week he could you know because golf is something that takes a lot of work, no matter how athletic you are, for the most part. And with hockey, I, I I kind of wonder like how where IMDb got this, and that he's both like terrible at hockey. Because like objectively, I'm not sure I'm terrible at hockey. I don't know. I've never played. I could be Wayne Gretzky. You'd never know. <laughs> so uh, so I, I I'm not really sure. Um, this movie was the the very first winner of the MTV Movie Award for Best Fight. And when director Dennis Dugan told Bob Barker that a stunt double would be using the fight scene, Barker insisted on doing his own stunt, saying, quote, wait a minute, I know how to fight. Barker looks good with that jab. It's so comic book cartoon looking, but it does look scary. It looks like the old school fighter. Like, uh, I think about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? When... uh, George Clooney gets in the fight in the Woolsworth and the the stepdad fights him and squares up, you know, and he takes that pose, that fighting stance that doesn't look like it would it would hurt. It's like the rock'em sock'em robots kind of deal. <laughs> but he just unfolds his arm and that's kind of what Bob Barker does, but but up but uh upper like upper like an uppercut. Kind of not not, not an uppercut. Look in his eye. Yeah. 
He's he's got his wrist turned the other way, is what I'm trying to say. And he does. He's got that insane old man strength look where you know, like, you better know not to get in his way. I believed it. When I was a kid, I I really thought that they were fighting. Like I really thought that Bob Barker was was fighting Happy Gilmore. And uh I never I never viewed the prices right the same way again. Yeah, you couldn't. You couldn't. Bob Barker, uh, forever the guy who whipped Happy Gilmore's ass. Um, one deleted scene in the movie involves Happy throwing the nursing home orderly out the window after finding out how badly his grandma was treated. There's not much in this movie that I feel like is missing. I feel like it's a very, very tight movie that flows flows easily, and it there's there's no like you know there's no fat to trim on the movie. But that is something I would have liked thrown in. I would have liked. That's one thing we're missing is Ben Stiller really getting his comeuppance. Yeah, and who wouldn't want to see I mean, I feel like Ben Stiller in a lot of movies deserves to have his ass kicked. Um especially in that role. And isn't isn't there like a theory that I, I guess it's a little off topic, but that his character in Dodgeball is connected to his character in heavyweights? Yeah, that that Tony Perkis is is White Goodman in some way. Like, there's there's the fan theory of he like changed his name or something like that. And there's also just the the observation that both characters are are very similar. Like Ben Stiller plays a very good asshole, mm-hmm. which is interesting for a guy who in movies where he's not doing that, when he's just like Greg Fokker or you know. Something else that where he's he's just, just like a, a total calm, pushover, mild-mannered, yeah, mild-mannered guy. Um, the last bit of IMDb trivia I have, I always I love I always love casting trivia, like you know who got offered a role, or whatever. And, and this is one of my favorite ones ever. Um, the 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 god of this podcast, Kevin Costner, was apparently offered the role of Shooter McCavin, but declined. He did play golf pro in Tin mm-hmm. Cup. Kevin Costner as Shooter McGavin. I would, it's a completely different movie, Yeah, but I would love to see it. I can't really picture that. Like Christopher McDonald is, he is Shooter McGavin. Like he's one of those guys that because of the role he played, that's the first thing you call him in real life. I can't. And that wouldn't have been Costner because there's no, no. role Costner could never have a role that can outshine. He he's done too much to to be overtaken by a single role. Whereas McDonald, yeah, is is Shooter McGavin. There's nothing he had nothing preceding that and nothing after that that has even sniffed that level of notoriety. Yeah, I would have liked to see Kevin Costner in in this movie though. Like it would have been a a nice like tip of the cap to Tin Cup or something like that to have him in, in yet another sports movie. But instead of him being the hero, he's just like some sort of supporting supporting cast member in a comedy. I wouldn't have Would hated it. Would have just been padding his resume as the greatest sports movie yeah. actor of all time. Um, it would, would have been really interesting to see it. Uh, what what might have been. Um, let's get into best scene. And this was very difficult for me. Because, you know, on this on this pod, we ju- we run it down, you know, chronologically nominate a few scenes, pick one. There is something in every single scene in this movie that's mm-hmm. great. Like there's there's, there's not a bad something one. quotable. Yeah, there's no filler. Like, yeah. 
it's it's all really good. Like hockey tryouts are really funny. It's not one of the best scene in the movie, but it's it's really funny. Um, you know, Happy hitting the guy that shouldn't have been standing there out front of his grandma's house. That yeah. like that's really funny. You know, when he meets Chubbs at the driving range, the ninth green at nine. There's so much stuff that you wouldn't consider like a super iconic scene, but it's something that someone has said in past. Like, how often are you out golfing or someone make a joke? Oh, I shouldn't have been standing there yeah. all the time. hit that guy he shouldn't have been standing there oh man yeah i mean i try not to be that guy that hits into the group um but ahead of you or or onto the wrong fairway <laughs> but but it happens you know and uh and you give them a little wake-up call you gotta you gotta let them know and sometimes it's a little too late you yell four and you don't even know where your shot's going i mean you are hitting it like jordan Spieth. And, and that's not a good thing right now, um, to hit your drive like Jordan Spieth because it's going to the right, it's going to the left. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, an instant quotable line when you're out playing golf with your buddies. Yeah. And there's stuff like that littered throughout this movie In every single scene, there's something, but the first scene I've got is, is a standalone is the Waterbury open, which is where this movie really gets going because we meet Shooter McGavin uh, happy doubles the first hole and then knocks a guy out. I feel like right there he's, he's done. I feel like they're like, okay, you're, uh, you're off the course. We're, we're calling security. Yeah. Yeah. When he, when he pulls the shirt over the guy and punches him out. Yeah. Good shot. It's about time. Hey, it is about time. I mean, I just couldn't get the ball in the hole. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean it's uh you know when the the guy's talking shit about him and and Happy just walks over and knocks him out like it's also it's kind of astounding to think about how Happy actually won that single day tournament to to win a PGA Tour card because you got to think it's kind of like the Corn Fairy Tour where everyone is just gunning for birdies and the winning score is probably like a 61. <laughs> so Happy doubles one. Uh we see him hit at least one ball in the water because he he dives in and finds it even if he finds it that's still a penalty. Um, and then he has three stroke, like he, what, four putts to win it when he, when it's just tap it in. Like, how did, ha how did Happy win this, win that day? I mean, the, the, uh, he must have driven every other green. Yeah. Well, he just has intestinal fortitude, unlike any other golfer on the tour. And that's, I think that's the most realistic thing. I, I don't want to jump the gun, uh, on our talking points, but that is the most realistic thing I think about any golfer that's successful is he finds a way, she finds a way to block out the things that could trip you up. And that's like Happy's biggest struggle. That Shooter McGavin's not the biggest villain in the movie. Happy Gilmore is his own biggest villain when it comes to being successful at golf because he can't control his temper. He can't block out the little things. And once he finds a way to do that, he's unstoppable. Um, and that's like, like I think about Brooks Kepka. Like that guy's mind is like an iron trap, you know? He's a killer. Yeah, there is nothing that's going to distract that guy. And that's what putting comes down to. And that's what, what Happy says when he walks past Shooter and says, 
happy. What does he, what does he say? Someone look who learned how to putt. You know, that's like the moment where he's like, oh my gosh, he's mastered the mental part of the game. You can't stop him. Because what you're saying about, you know, Happy being his own worst enemy, we see that in the next scene I've got is kind of just the the initial tournament run. You know, the the first his first tournament where he's he's paired with Kevin Nealon. Uh he gets reprimanded by Virginia and cleaning up his act, but the whole thing is the whole thing is Happy is just a sideshow. And that it, you see, though, the the rise of the Happy Gilmore fans and how much that's bothering Shooter and it like culminates in Happy killing the gator that took Chubbs's hand. That's a it's one of the more enjoyable parts of the movie. It's probably like the the least plot driven. It's just like we're getting to see Happy start to play golf and just be this ridiculous sideshow. He's out there signing boobs and chugging beers on the course and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. It's just that classic uh sports montage you know it, it like carl weathers in, in rocky you know it reminds you of that when you watch it <laughs> <laughs> just a, a little a little more beer a little bit and, and if possible a little less uh, a little less carl weathers the next scene i've got is is something that we just discussed a few minutes ago it is the the pro-am with bob barker which that scene will always it, i mean it's always going to be the jackass scene mm-hmm. yeah and, and the the jackass the heckler, all he cares about is going to Red Lobster with Shooter. <laughs> Your boy Justin Thomas would have had that heckler ejected on hole one. I mean, oh, to yeah. be fair, to be fair, every golfer would have had that guy ejected on hole one. But that's like that's one of the most unrealistic parts of the movie. Is like the second that guy screamed out "Jackass," it'd be like, "All right, buddy, time to go." Oh, for sure. And that's that's one thing I love about the fact that this movie was made in 1996. Uh, it still has like. There's no golf, there's no fans out there like if they wanted to realistically make this film today, you know, everyone would have a cell phone, you know, or or some sort of like camera distraction, you know. It still feels like timeless golf in a way, which it which which adds to some of the charm of the movie. But yeah, that guy would have been booted so quick. Happy would have been taking a lot of selfies with fans that look like bikers. Oh yeah, in in the in the <laughs> yeah. And the the thing that works too is at that point in the movie, realistically, Happy's like controlled his temper until he fights Bob Barker. But that guy doesn't know how close he comes probably to getting his own uh, like punch out moment. But because Happy is like trying to work on his inner peace, he can't do anything about it. I mean, Shooter says it best. You, you choose not to fight that guy. You, you fight Bob Barker. But one of the best parts about that scene, one of like a very underrated, very funny moment of this movie. It's not a line or anything. It's when Barker is walking away after beating up Happy and he does like the air one, two punch oh, yeah. after the fight. Like I still <laughs> it got kills it. Me. <laughs> it kills me every single time. I wonder how many real fights Bob Barker has been in. What if Bob Barker was just kicking ass in the in the fifties? Whenever he was in his prime, when was Bob Barker born? Has to have been. I don't know, man. He's got that Nelson Mandela effect, though. Like I, I swear, I, I'm I'm glad he's still with us, but it, it's kind of surprising. Yeah. So Bob Barker was born in 1923. My gosh. So, oh, man, okay. So Bob Barker was in his tw- like hit his twenties during World War Two. Bob Barker, like. Yeah, Bob Barker was uh was fighting. Oh, for sure. You had to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in, okay. Yeah, he was in the Navy during World War II. Yeah, Bob Barker yeah. is has 
he's he's swung at somebody. I respect that man. I mean, I believe he could still do the prices right if he really if he really wanted to. He probably just felt like it's time for me to give up the stage. Yeah, he's just that it's, kind it's, of guy. Yeah, God, God bless Bob Barker. And it's funny that people our age, this is what we know Bob Barker for this just as much as we do uh, the prices right. Oh, no doubt. The next scene I've got is uh, the, the training montage when Chubbs trains Happy using mini golf and putting, and then uh, and then Happy accidentally kills Chubbs. Yeah, that's that that really takes a turn, doesn't it? It does, it does. And also a fun fact from the trivia: the the clown, the laughing clown, that was Adam Sandler's voice, which is something we probably could have guessed, honestly. I would have, yeah, I would have thought it was either him or um one of those guys in his in his crew. That's all. That's in all of his movies. You know, uh, I don't, I don't know their names, but one of them is his, his caddy, the scruffy. That is Alan, Alan Covert. Yeah, yeah I, is, I would have guessed uh, he's in a lot of, of the Happy guys. Madison stuff. Yeah, the Happy Madison crew. The last scene I've got is the tour championship. I could have used more of this, honestly, like golf showdown and, and course banter between Shooter and Happy. I mean, one of the more realistic parts of the movie is that Shooter and Happy actually never play together. And that's usually because Shooter is winning and Happy is not. And, and you know, and before the cut and like Thursday, Friday rounds, Shooter would not would not be playing with Happy. They would right. they, they would not make that happen. Um, the. The U-shaped putt, the the one where Happy taps it up the green and it comes back, that's great. Just the the mini golf aspect of the final round is, a, is just a lot of fun. Yeah, he just had to go play putt-putt, and then he learned how to read pro uh, greens, like, flawlessly. It's just, it's outrageous. It's incredible. And also, one thing of note, Happy has that freak out after his happy place blows up where Shooter McGavin shows up and starts making out with, uh, with, his, grandma. Making out with his grandma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> starts making out with his grandma. And then he takes four swipes at a ball and hits it in the water and it, it only costs him one stroke, which is, which is bizarre. Uh, yeah, they did. I guess they didn't really have the best continuity expert, uh, on no. hand. No, they, um, they didn't get a pro golf consultant on this one, I don't think. And I mean, the movie doesn't really suffer from it. It's not as though this is Tin Cup or a movie trying to take itself very seriously, but that was something I know. Um, and then the classic, something um, something that has also like permeated the golf lexicon, something you say when you're out with your friends, oh, you got to play it as it lies. Um, it, it's always the best when your buddy has like a shitty lie, like you're playing on a bad day or something and like there's standing water, you know, like puddles in the fairway and stuff. And it's just like your ball stuck in a puddle. It's like, oh, I got to play it as it lies. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a, yeah. I mean, that is definitely something a, a pro would do. Um, I mean, just look at the Patrick Reed, Rory McElroy blow up from, from earlier this year where Patrick Reed's wife got busted on the burner account. Like that's the kind of stuff that if, if pros have a chance to call each other out for or enforce, they're going to do it. Before we pick best scene, you mentioned Patrick Reed. So it's something I wanted to ask you earlier. Who do you is who who are the pro golf comps to Happy and who are the pro golf golf comps to Shooter? Because Shooter, I feel like, is an obvious Patrick Reed comp. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think you're wrong. I also think that Shooter is a good representation, not of every pro golfer. I think a lot of the younger guys 
coming up are just so much more transparent because they know that they have to be because they're on social media all the time. But shooters like the just that classic representation of the pro athlete that you don't actually want your kid to meet, if that makes sense. Like in the 90s, I know it was like such a shock. And look, I'm a huge Tiger fan, but it was a huge shock for me to hear from some of my friends that had gone to the the Bell South Classic, which is a real throwback uh, in, in around Atlanta, that they tried to get Tiger's autograph and like he he was like so zoned in, he didn't want to give an autograph, you know? And that's the kind of thing when you're a kid, like that shatters your whole world, right? It's like you, you see this one persona with the media, which is shooter talking to the media and talking about, you know, they must put something in the water, you know, but behind the scenes, he's obviously just a total ass, you know? So I think in a way they nail that, that uh, split personality that a lot of professional athletes used to be able to get away with, which is, which is interesting. Um, but yes, in the modern day game, I got to think it's someone like DeChambeau or uh, Patrick Reed is probably the equivalent for shooter. And then for happy, happy's got some Bryson in him too, just in terms just of skills, the, the distance. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, maybe, maybe someone like Ricky Fowler, who's just a little bit more of an unconventional guy it brings an unconventional background to the game you know he's a he's a dirt bike guy you know but he also plays golf like i feel like that's somewhat comparable uh happy might have a little anthony kim in him as well yeah yeah just just someone that doesn't necessarily fit that like milk toast background you know because every single one of those golfers on tour if they aren't like really competing by age, I've, like statistically speaking, if they're not going out there and competing in tournaments at a high level by like age seven, they're not going to make it. Um, and that's, that's just crazy how early you have to hit that ceiling in that sport. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's happy is very much kind of a flash forward to a new age of golfer in terms of being a very transparent personality and being allowed to have a personality where shooter is very much how we saw golfers growing up. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you said, it's very stuffy, very, I mean, golf until tiger golf was not that cool. And even after tiger, there weren't many guys like you wouldn't objectively say no one. Phil Mickelson was not cool until he became like the king of content. Um, objectively it was like tiger. And then suddenly in the last 10 years, we've had this influx of guys who are not only young and like, it helps that the clothing and golf has gotten better, but, uh, guy, guys have also gotten more transparent on social media and had their personality mm-hmm. shine more and just having a lot more fun. And you can see that as a fan and happy Gilmore is kind of a, a weird flash forward to that. But yeah, uh, no, it's, it's interesting. You bring that up. I, ha- I have never thought about that, how tiger really, came on the scene around 97 and it's when he won his first masters. Um, and this movie comes out before that movement. So, I mean, for anyone, anyone in the sports world at large watching this movie, I bet this, this was even more outrageous because you probably had much more of a stuffy outsider view of golf if you didn't play it. Yeah, I think I mean this movie certainly didn't bring as much uh, as much publicity to golf as Tiger Woods did, but I, I feel like it certainly helped. Certainly helped pick up the perception of golf because there really, I mean, there was very little golf in pop culture. And yeah. Again, golf golf was a very stuffy white country club sport. Mm-hmm. But Wes, what is the best scene in this movie for you? 
my favorite scene in the movie is when the ball lands on on as shooter says uh the fat foot of <laughs> what does he say bigfoot's Frank, 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 frankenstein's fat, fat foot is this your ball yes it is it struck my foot doug can i get a drop oh uh, the rule says play it as it lies That's two thus far, Shooter. Oh, you can count. Good for you. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. All right. Just the whole the whole interaction when he turns around and, and says, well, good for Happy Gilm. Oh, my God. And that, that like, exchange is hilarious. And, and it, it turns into Jaws. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> pestering uh shooter throughout the rest of the round and I, that that's the scene that my friends and I always quote with one another for whatever reason and that's the one that that always sticks with me is as being the most uh just just the most like effective powerful one liner i guess it's so good it's so good i, I i've got to defer to the uh the bob barker the fight it is I mean, the price is wrong, bitch. Yeah. It just, it's just incredible. Incredible stuff. The price is wrong, bitch. I think you've had enough. No? Now you've had enough. Bitch. Um, but I mean, you could you could pick any two minute stretch from this movie, and I wouldn't think you're wrong. I can't think of a bad two minute stretch. No, I mean it's like it's like I said earlier. There is no filler. Uh, when I mean any of the happy place scenes are iconic. I got my hand back, happy. Like <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful. It, it is like there are there are some real like. Obviously funny, but touching moments in that movie as well. Even the date. Friends listen to Endless Love in the Dark. Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, the Zamboni driver singing Endless Love as the scene fades out. It's yeah. just awesome. You know, I don't know if Adam Sandler comes up with those in his movies or not, but some of them are really some good ideas for a date if you're able to pull them off. Like... He he is like uh if he is coming up with these these things he's like a hopeless romantic that is like nailing these fictional ideas but if you if you're like trying to win the girl and you have access to a Zamboni and a and a couple guys that can help you out with the PA and the lighting I mean you you have got your girl that is fantastic it's almost a shame that he's only done one really like legitimately good rom com in Fifty First Dates. I know, and every everything else. I mean, Punch Drunk Love is a little darker. It but is I, dark. I mean, everything else is Wedding Singer. You know, 
Yeah. But oh yeah, wedding guy. I forgot about the wedding. Singer. But with fifty yeah. first dates, I think that's what I'm talking about. Is like a lot of those. I I don't know if he came up with them or not. So I don't want to give him all the credit. If if that's not where the credit needs to go, probably some screenwriter that uh, deserves more of it. But that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like that spirit shines through of like just being a uh, uh, a good a good date you know just just being thoughtful you know and it's like man i'm gonna have to file that one away to surprise my wife at some point because he in 50 first dates he literally has to come up with 50 of them and he does it they don't always hey guys adam sandler will will help you get your girl take some notes you know now for 50 first dates maybe not all of them are doable because he's in hawaii and that's that's kind of like that's kind of cheating but you don't have enough time to train a penguin for that either. Exactly. You've got to, that one takes a little bit more work. <laughs> Wes, let's take a quick ad break and get back with the best quote. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so best quote... In a movie like this, in an Adam Sandler movie, it is tough to pick one line because every, just like we said, how every single scene has something worth coming back to or something good, there's something funny in every single scene. There is there, I say, what's the best quote in Happy Gilmore? What comes to your mind? What's the first thing that pops up? Mm, it's all in the hips. Because I mean, there's a long list, a long list. I think for me, it's it's all in the hips. Ooh, it's a good one. They get, go with the golf with with Chubbs. It's all in the hips. Yeah, and and it kind of creates that one of those moments where he's like <laughs> standing behind Adam Sandler and like moving his hips, and like he really gets into it. And I feel like he gets an actual laugh out of Adam Sandler in that scene when <laughs> when when he turns around. He's like, "What are you doing?" Like I, I feel I feel like in that scene, if you go back and watch it. Carl Weathers actually got it. Actually, he actually made Adam Sandler break in that scene. Something I love is, and something that is something I'll say with my friends all the time is, my fingers hurt. <laughs> okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. I got good news. We're extending arts and crafts time by four hours today. My fingers hurt. What's that? My fingers hurt. Oh well. Oh. Now your back's gonna hurt. Because you just pull landscaping duty. Hmm. Anybody else's fingers hurt? <laughs> now your back's going to hurt. You just pulled landscaping <laughs> <Yeah>. duty. <laughs> oh, that one's great, too. Yeah. 
Stiller's got something in almost every single one of his scenes. Because, like, right away, as soon as Adam Sandler leaves his grandma at the retirement home, you can trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Yeah, the uh, just the agility to to go between the awful uh, nursing home attendant and, oh, hello, Mr. Gilmore. Just <laughs> automatically. that I feel like only Ben Stiller could really pull that off. You know who's got some heaters in this movie is Uncle Vern. Yeah, yeah. Vern Lundquist, who showed up, filmed all his scenes at, in one day, like same set for multiple tournaments. But the the one, the quite a large and economically diverse crowd at the Michelob Invitational, <laughs> which is just incredible. Yeah, I feel like that's the kind of thing that people were saying when Bubba Watson came on the scene and <laughs> some of the crowd was uh, being a little bit more unruly at first. Bubba's Bubba's moved away from that persona. Um, a little bit, which is interesting, but he used to be all about, you know, like the living up that, that reputation being the guy, he had the, the club head cover in his bag, the guy wearing overalls, you know, that kind of thing. And I feel like Bubba at, at a time was probably really comparable to being like happy Gilmore and, and bringing that diverse crowd to the tour part owner of the pensacola blue wahoos bubba should thank his lucky stars that both patrick reed and bryson have come along because i feel like they've taken a mountain of heat off bubba yeah it's kind of surprising his um you know i live in georgia and went to georgia and and bubba has an interesting reputation obviously patrick reed started out in georgia did not finish his golf career there um and there's no love lost for him but bubba is you know, people associate him with with being a Georgia golfer, but he does not really fraternize fraternize, I should say, with a lot of the Georgia golfers. Um, he's kind of a, a lone wolf in a way, which is which is kind of unique. But that's that's just kind of who he is. He, he kind of just does his own thing. Yeah, he's. Yeah. He is certainly. I don't want to say he's grown on me, but it's certainly. The, I, I reserve a lot of the feelings that I used to have for Bubba for Patrick Reed at, at some yeah. point. I think we'll say that. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one last quote, that just a shout-out to uh, to Lee Trevino. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to dedicate my performance at the Tour Championship to Chubb's memory. To hell with that. I'm playing for Chubb's. Nuh-uh. I called it first. You, hey, 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 hey. You want to beat him? Beat him on the course. That's right. I'm going to beat your ass on the course. Yeah, right. Grizzly Adams had a beard. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Yeah, so the, all those scenes of actually incorporating actual golfers uh, and, and people, characters in the world of golf, right? Like Vern. But there's his his co-commentator uh, that is totally silent throughout the whole film. And I've never understood that. Yeah, I don't get it. It's That was part of the trivia, too. The guy next to him doesn't say anything at all. I'm wondering. Who the hell is Happy Gilmore? Who the hell is that? I had that written down too. I mean, Vern is on a heater. Um, like in this, in the, I think the two best golf movies are this and Tin Cup. Um, Caddyshack is just a different solid movie for me, honestly. But the two movies that actually incorporate a lot of golf, this and Tin Cup. Tin Cup gets Nance. Tin Cup gets Nance. It gets Gary McCord. It, it gets you know the the PGA style broadcast. This one just gets Vern and it works perfectly. Like I mean, God bless Vern Lundquist. I mean, you, Wes, you're an SEC guy, so yeah. you have. Vern is Vern is your is that dude for you, but 
Um, mm-hmm. it, just a great get, a, a great, great get. Um, I want to get into the the most and least authentic sports centric parts of this movie. Obviously, this is an Adam Sandler comedy. This is not a movie that we would look at the same lens as, as say, Tin Cup. But what was the most authentic part of this movie? You already you already dove into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, other than that, that mental aspect that I've, I mentioned earlier, uh, honestly, it has nothing to do with the actual sport itself, game itself. But I feel like um, the hazing of putting Happy out on the green and turning the sprinkler, ninth green at nine, the ninth green at nine, and turning the sprinklers on them. That's the kind of thing that like actual athletes would do to a rookie. Um, so for me, that's like, <laughs> that's not, that's not absurd to me. It's funny, but it's not absurd in the lens of sports um, out of everything else in that movie. That one seems the most realistic to me. It's also not that cruel a, a hazing thing no. when you do it. Essentially, you're just sticking a rookie on tour with a with a dry clean. And it's bill. hard to haze somebody in a non-team sport, um, but they they found a way. Yeah, it's kind of the, it's it's like the the golf version of having making the linemen pay for dinner one night or making the rookies pay for linemen dinner one night. I have one that I thought was very authentic, and again, it, it relates back to our our good friend Patrick Reed, who we we've talked about a few times. Uh, the the tour being super hesitant to punish one of its more notable players. Ah, yeah, that's good. The uh, PJ tour is notorious for uh, let's just, Patrick Reed gotten away with some shit mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. Uh, they have not. I mean, he's has he suffered any penalty that's not a just a couple like a couple strokes. What 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 ended up being the deal with him fixing his the the thing in the bunker? Him him like getting caught. Yeah, getting caught putting for a, the billionth time. Putting a divot in the sand, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of surprising. You wouldn't expect that out of golf. You would expect with all of the visibility of uh, the attendance and, you know, obviously now with the video review that they can do. But in a way, it's like it's like the strike zone in baseball. Like, they just don't enforce a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and in this movie, they let, they let Happy get away with a considerable amount of amount of antics before um you know punching bob barker one month suspension <laughs> which like suspended if patrick reed punched if patrick reed punched someone i feel because his his caddy went after someone kessler corain went after a fan wasn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> patrick reed and, and uh and happy gilmore actually share some similarities too um happy certainly more more likable and more genuine a human yeah i think no i think patrick i think you're right though i mean i I think patrick has probably i mean i i don't know if he has the worst anger problems but he has the most trouble i think reining himself in i think that's fair and the tour has had significant amount of problem uh, giving him any incentive to rein himself in just like just like happy gilmore um the least authentic I, I think there's one thing that is absolutely glaring besides the besides the funny plot device of Happy Gilmore's distance being what makes him a good golfer, which I think is is really like genuinely an extremely funny plot device. It's like how do you how do you give a guy a random competitive advantage? Oh, he has this amazing slap shot that translates into this amazingly long drive. That's funny. Uh, winning a tournament at a local country club, getting you full exempt status on the PGA Tour, astounding. Yeah. 
Yeah, they really take a lot of liberties with his journey to get to the tour. That's that's for sure. It's like it's like if they held Q school at your local not that nice country club and winner winner gets all it's just it's funny to think about if they actually did that yeah. if, if that actually became a thing if they just picked one random country club a year and we're just like this this one you're sending your your best golfer and sometimes your best golfer is a guy wearing a Bruins jersey and jeans yeah that is that is funny to think about it that way when I was working in local news my first stop was in Macon Georgia and um you know during the summertime there's not a lot to cover locally. You know, I, I could run a Braves highlight. Uh, but other than that, you know, I wanted to get out and actually cover some things going on in the community. Well, a lot of the things I would go to were these country club type of golf tournaments um, where there were some really good golfers. And then there were some guys that were just there to drink a six pack and see how much money they could win. And then there were a couple golfers that would do both. <laughs> there was one guy <laughs> that would win every single one of these tournaments and he would play like garbage for the first like three holes. And we'd ask him, you know, what's going on, man? What's going on with your game? He's like, Oh, I just haven't gotten lubricated yet. And, <laughs> and he, I mean, he would probably finish like six to eight, uh, Coors lights or Michelob ultras throughout the round. And he'd end up winning, but that's like, that's accurate that you would you would paint that picture of these little country club tournaments and how outrageous it would be for someone to get their like earnest PGA tour start uh as like a guy of Adam Adam Sandler's age trying to do it that way it would just it just would not happen I mean hats tip to the no laying up guys for this idea and I think it's them but they have they have floated the idea before that like take the local scratch golfer at your country club and have them play in the PGA tournament so you can just see how good these pro golfers yeah. actually are and that would be a funny thing if we just take the we take a pick a random country club every year pick the guy who wins that tournament it's like you're going you have full exempt status on tour uh you get like 10 percent of the that your actual purse or whatever but like that guy probably never makes a cut not one well, there's that there's jeff knox uh at the masters that's oh the guy lives the dream yeah and that's i think that's the closest you'll ever you'll ever get to that and for listeners who don't know jeff knox is the guy who when there is an odd number of players who make the cut at the Masters, Jeff Knox goes out and plays with a guy who is in last on Saturday and Sunday and often beats it. It's incredible. Yeah. Someone wrote a great piece on him a couple years ago that I, I highly recommend everyone uh, everyone look at. Did you have anything for least authentic, Wes? I mean, it, it again, it is a, a complete parody comedy, so uh, it's hard to be too critical. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just, just to fill this blank, um, I think – Play, going and, and playing for uh, his grandmother's house, like I think you mentioned at the start of the show. Um, just a, a classic Sandler hijink that he'd end himself in, it, it end up being a part of. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, that that's probably not going to be your main motivation if you make it on the tour. But it is it is a great motivator for happy. Great plot device. Great, great plot device. Um, Wes, what else worked about this one that we haven't touched on yet? Why is this a movie that we still talk about 20 years later and that it feels like it has not lost a step when you watch it now? I think it's just the, the mentor aspect of Chubbs and 
in a way, the the publicist dynamic with Virginia and Happy and Shooter, where she's like clearly rooting against Shooter, like uh, uh, unnamed sources that I've spoken to that are publicists on the PGA Tour, that happens. Uh, but they have to treat them all accurately, or not accurately, they have to treat them all the same. I don't know why I said accurately. Uh, <laughs> but that is accurate, is what I was trying to say. Um, but there, there is just that dynamic where they weave these characters in so subtly um, that it works. And it's not just it's not just happy versus shooter. It's like little nuanced details of these characters that, uh, even though the plot may not be the most realistic, the human uh, interaction and the dynamics that that are at play make this such a like Happy Madison type of film like it has that feel it has that hallmark and it just i don't know i think that's what makes it it work those movies whether it's happy gilmore billy madison they don't always have the same exact like formula but they've got the same feel that make them really successful movies for a long time to come it's really him perfecting that kind of style that he does with his movies. I mean, starting with the main character, a guy with some rough, rough edges who needs to be smoothed out. Billy Madison wasn't quite redeemable enough of a human as as Happy Gilmore and or as Bobby Boucher. Oh, just a total as, degenerate. Yeah, awful yeah, guy. Billy Madison was a real piece of shit for the first half of the movie. Yeah. Like, Happy Gilmore had the the loving his grandma aspect of this like billy madison was someone we would all hate we'd yeah. absolutely hate billy madison um so he he kind of he 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 smooths that out it becomes a little more palatable for more people the, he brings the golf aspect in pretty seamlessly uses the funny aspects of it um i i think that's why happy gilmore kind of translates to a wider audience and why it gets the play on tnt it's like if you the, the plot of, you know, guy joins the PGA Tour to to win his grandma's house back is a little better than overgrown man-child goes back to elementary school and tells his kindergarten teacher, you get your ass out there and you find that fucking dog <laughs> that just doesn't hit the same for as many people, even though I love ha- I love Billy Madison talking to Miss Lippy, But it's just a great plot. IRS taking grandma's house. Guy needs to join the PGA Tour to get it back. That's great. Let's roll. Uh, it, and it's got all the... Um, the bit rolls, which becomes this hallmark of the Happy Madison films. Like you mentioned, Alan Covert is his caddy. Francis Bay is grandma. You get Carl Weathers and Ben Stiller in this movie. And it's Ben Stiller. Before, like Ben Stiller is famous. He's been in heavyweights. He's Jerry Stiller's son. He's been, you know, he's been a TV writer. But it's it's pre-Zoolander. It's pre-Dodgeball. It's pre-Meet the Parents. Like you get Ben Stiller a really good time too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not, he's not like the Ben Stiller we know today at that point. But you're like, oh, I know that guy. Uh, Will Sasso as as the mover that like spurs on the entire career of Happy Gilmore. That that may be another totally unrealistic part of the movie too. It's just like because his grandma's getting evicted, he learns that he can hit a a tee shot four hundred yards. You know, like that that's just incredible as well. Um, yeah, it's just. All, all around, all around, no, no filler in this film. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's very tightly compressed. It flows. Um, the soundtrack quite, quite like, quietly slaps. Get a lot of seventies and eighties classics. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's great. 
Um, and, and something we 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 touched on earlier is that the fact that it is it's not problematic twenty years later, like '90s comedy that you can you know you can run smooth with. It's not like you know you look at. I always come back to Wedding Crashers, which was a you know jump started the R-rated comedy boom, and just the plot of that one, you're just like, oh, that uh, yeah, kind, that's tough. Kind of a cringe cringe film to try to stand up in in this day and age. Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, this one is pretty smooth sailing, um, you know, and it's got great running gags. Love all, you know, uh, I, one of the things I love that we haven't touched on yet is happy mentioning that his girlfriend died. Like when grandma, the grandma <laughs> asks about him, oh yeah, she got hit by a car. She's yeah. dead. Uh, <laughs> he randomly volunteers it to Virginia. Uh, yeah, my girlfriend's dead, you know. Yeah, that's, that's classic Sandler. Um, and there's something about, you know, obviously Chevy, chase was able to do it but like and and will ferrell as i talk about this with you when did the saturday night live alum like stop making absolutely hilarious movies like automatically like it, it just it's not a given anymore but it used to be a thing if that makes sense like yeah, I don't. I mean, there were the the SNL skit, skits that get turned into movies, which I don't think were very successful. I love A Night at the Roxbury, but I don't think it was very successful. Right. And I think most normal people aren't crazy about it. Um, what was the the superstar, the Mary Catherine Gallagher one? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the guys from the Lonely Island have spun off and started doing. You know, they did. Um, you know, pop star. And Hot Rod, yeah, which Hot Rod is true. Hot Rod is legendary. That's, that's a good point. Uh, and Sandberg has, has spun off and done like Brooklyn Nine Nine and like different series and stuff. Um, the the show itself just hasn't made as many stars as it used yeah. to. Um, the only one in the past ten years is is really maybe at least like past five years. Like Kate McKinnon has become a big star on the show, but she, that has not really transcended. Um, and into movies, uh, Pete Davidson is very famous. And I think like, I thought King of Staten Island was really good. He's going to be in the new suicide squad. Yeah, but, I saw the trailer yeah, for as that. far as like the, the, the SNL, ca- I mean, the nineties were kind of, there was that early seventies cast where all those people go on to be famous, mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and John Belushi right. and, and that whole group and Chevy. And then these, this nineties cast and Sandler, even more so than Will Ferrell is probably the most successful of those. Like he, Will Ferrell can still do whatever he wants. And his, I mean, he did Talladega nights, which you and I talked about, but as far as of this, the nineties SNL group of just building a film career and knowing what he wants to do, it's Adam Sandler. Now what he wants to do the past 10, 15 years has not nearly been as good as what it was the first 15 years of his movie career. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, this is right in a prime of a guy who is coming off SNL and is just funny as shit and has everything working in this one. Yep. He sure does. Is there anything about this one that doesn't work for you? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think like at the beginning, I, I guess when his girlfriend breaks up with him, if, that's the closest this movie has for a scene that doesn't work just because it's like, it happens to be one of the least memorable scenes, if that makes sense. Um, there's nothing that doesn't work though. I mean, it, it is my favorite Adam Sandler movie he's ever made. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty flawless. Um, the only, this isn't something that didn't work, but I just, something to point out of the realism and like thinking about, 
the the PGA Tour in general. Chubb's asking Happy to take a month off when he has full exemption actually doesn't make a lot of sense. No, that you're right. That doesn't make sense, and uh, especially with all of the motivation that Happy has to to win his grandma's house back, you know. Yeah, doesn't make Ch- Chubbs is being very unreasonable in that ask. Um, the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on screen athlete. We kind of already talked about like Sandler's swing for. I mean, the fact that he could legitimately make contact doing that. We've seen PGA pros try that and it not go well. Yeah, because golf is really the ultimate uh, pain in the ass sport where other than Bryson DeChambeau now, like kind of changing the game here. Bryson is happy. Yes. Yeah. It, you're, you're not supposed to try that hard at golf. Like really the best golfers, obviously they work hard, but mechanically speaking, they're not trying very hard with their swing. It looks effortless. The best yeah. ones. Uh, but happy's is like really turning it in. And I'm not, I'm not going out on that limb and saying golf isn't the sport. I just mean like the mechanics of the swing. You want to you want it to be as smooth and simple as possible. But happy like adds as much motion <laughs> as possible by running towards the ball, uh, and that just that that doesn't happen. It's not going to happen consistently. You're going. You're even. I'm worried about Bryson doing what he's doing. I know he's drinking 15 protein shakes a day. But because he because he showed it to us in that video, yeah. Oh, he he shows all of his workouts off. Um, but look at I think everyone's worried about his back exactly and just what that's going to do to his body. You, your body is not built to do that. It's like it's like how you know so many guys are tearing their ACLs with non contact injuries because it's almost like we've made the rest of our bodies too fast for that ligament, right? Well, Bryson's almost making his swing too fast for his back. I, I got to feel like that's why Tiger tore his back up. You know, he, he, he overdid it. It makes you wonder how many years happy Gilmore had ahead of him <laughs> on the tour. Probably not many. His days were probably numbered, probably had many fusion surgeries like Tiger. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting to think about where happy Gilmore would be at 40, which is something we'll, we'll talk about here in a little bit. The Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. This is tough in any Sandler movie. There's a lot of pinch hitters. Uh, ben Stiller is the male nurse. Carl Weathers is Chubbs. Richard Keel is Mr. Larson, a.k.a. Frankenstein. Bob Barker is himself. Vern Lundquist is himself. Joe Flaherty is the jackass guy. I'm going with, with Bowen. I'm going with Virginia because Ooh. she keeps happy on track after Chubbs dies. And Chubbs was that really stabilizing force in his life um, outside of his grandma, but She's just not, she's not around happy as much. She's kind of like that external motivator. But Virginia keeps happy going after Chubbs dies, keeps him centered, and makes his uh, dream of of not only winning uh, the championship, but getting his grandma's house back. She is just, she's priceless. And without her, I I don't think, uh, I don't think happy saves the day. She's also essential for the movie in the, doing the same thing because the best comedy is rooted in realism and she keeps the movie grounded in the sense of she keeps pulling us back to reality in terms of like making us, you know, say this this is actually a real thing that's happening. This this ridiculous golfer and she yeah. she pulls us back just as much as she pulls happy. I mean, th- it's tough though. Carl Weathers is Chubbs. Just fantastic. The the 
the running bit about Chubbs' hand when Chubb shows up at the tournament with his hand glued together. It is just, it's one of my favorite things. I mean, it's not even like acknowledged, but like you can just tell his hand has been piecemealed yeah. together and, and hot glued. It's just, it's great. Uh, we talked about Barker. We and talked ha- about Happy sh- tries to shake it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about Vern. I am going to go with Joe Flaherty as the jackass wow. guy because that he is he is forever the ja- all these other people like Ben Stiller is you know he's he's Ben Stiller Carl Weathers is, has been you know he's Apollo Creed he's in Predator Richard Keel like you said earlier is Jaws Bob Barker Price is right Vern Lundquist is you know SEC football guy Joe Flaherty is the jackass guy that is that is what we all see him as. You're gonna need a blanket and suntan lotion because you're never gonna get off that beach. Just the way you never got into the NHL, you jackass. <laughs> the green's that way. Sure. <laughs> you will not make this putt, you jackass. Well, I mean, what else has he been in? I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Uh, there's not a ton there. There's not. There really is. He is the the jackass guy. Is is what like it says he's the Western Union man and Back to the Future Part Two is the thing he's second most known for in IMDb. The Western Union man is in Back to the Future Part Two for all of one minute, right at the end when he gives Marty the letter from Doc Brown in uh in the future. Yeah. Uh, Thirty year spoiler alert for all you folks out there. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he's, he's this guy. So that, that's why I am, uh, I'm going with him. I love, he, every time I hear him say the word jackass, it makes me laugh every single time. So I, I will take that. The big chill. This isn't a movie that's very conducive to a, a big chill moment. Is there anything in this movie for you that gives you the chills like a, like a normal sports movie would? Hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe when... I mean, maybe when he hits it through the <laughs> scaffolding, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's. That's all <laughs> I had, but it really, it, it's not a chill moment. Like I, I put it down, but it's not. You're not, you know, it, it's not like the end of Tin Cup, which you know, the end of Tin Cup is debatable. I have been, I have been ardent about my stance about how I feel about the end of that movie, but it's something like that where it's supposed it? to be this momentous movie. I hate it because the character shows no no emotional growth yeah, he never learns. dr molly griswold is the worst like mental health mental skills coach of all time like her player implodes why is she still getting work after this yeah, yeah you're right and it's and it's a it's ridiculous to go for the uh to go for the green anyway when he just he he needs a birdie it's not like he needs an eagle to get into the playoff it's not like he needs to get on and make a putt he needs to if he lays up and he can knock it close from that layup spot like he's in a much better it's it's fucking dumb but Anyways, it's not a moment like that where because even even however you feel about that shot, when it goes in and you get, you know, Nance Sandy makes it and the crowd goes crazy, you feel the chills. That's not a moment. You know, Happy Gilmore's not about that. You're happy he right. wins, but it's not like the chills. Um, is there any way to improve this movie? I don't think there is before I fully double down on that. I think the closest thing to chills is is the uh, endless love in the dark scene. I mean a little sappy sure but that that's probably as as close as it gets it's a great day yeah it, it really is um i gotta find an ice skating rink as soon as soon as this episode's over um 
No, there's no, there's no way to improve it. Um, it is, it is flawless. It is perfection. And, uh, I, I'm glad that they edited it as they did. It, it, it's everything I've ever wanted in a golf movie, sports movie, Adam Sandler movie. Check, check, check. I agree. I would not touch it. Um, the last category before more restore sequel, prequel or remake. So this is something I was given some thought to. I was given a look to when I was looking at, at Sandler's IMDb earlier. He doesn't make a sequel that's not a kid's movie. That's not like Hotel Transylvania. I think even before that, he doesn't make a sequel until Grown Ups 2. So think of all these mm. like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Waterboy, uh, you know, Mr. Deeds, any of those, especially, especially this one, especially Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, the wedding singer, Waterboy, like something where you could have easily seen a, a, a money grab sequel, honestly. I mean, because he's made much worse work. I mean, Grown Ups 2, Hotel Transylvania 2, all these Netflix movies that are varying levels of not good. Yeah. Um, he, like, Hotel Transylvania 4 is coming out in 2020. And I get, like, animated movies are different, animated kids' movies are different. Like, folks, cash those paychecks, do what you got to do. It's surprising to me, honestly, that he's never he hasn't done a sequel with one of his truly beloved movies. I wonder how much it has to do with like like nowadays I, it's not like it's expected, but that's just like the economy. Those are like the table stakes of starting a movie. Uh is like it's like the MCUification of everything. Like you've got to have a universe ready. You've got to have a trilogy ready. Like when we were growing up there were trilogies, like a Star Wars trilogy, like that was a big deal. The Lord of the Rings trilogy, that was a big deal. But then like Harry Potter kind of took it to another level. And they made what, eight eight of those? And then the MCU upped that. And there's however many, 20 whatever in all the shows that have come out too. But like with comedies, especially in the 90s, I mean, you had a story you wanted to tell. It wasn't a huge cash grab. You told your story, and when it was done, it was done. And I think it makes, I think it made them, I think it made some of those movies a lot better, probably, because you don't have that temptation to be like, well, if we can't fit this joke in this movie, we can fit it in the sequel or whatever. But like, it's so much more pure with a movie like, Happy Gilmore, like there's no there's no prequel of Chubbs or Shooter, you know, like or a spinoff of ho- of of uh, Happy playing hockey or whatever. Like it just the movie is what it is, and it's enough. And I think that's a good thing. And I think the cautionary tale you looked at look at is Dumb and Dumber, where they make the prequel that isn't good at all with uh, with Eric Christian Olsen, yeah, and the sequel, and then they make the sequel twenty years later, which is not very good at all. It's, it's like painful, and and I don't know. I'm sure you've put a lot more thought into this than I have, but it is like it's like that South Park season that makes fun of all the reboots. Like, when will people come up with something original that they're not relying on that on that nostalgia? boost of like bringing these characters back and like really when you do that the the most entertaining part about those movies is the trailers because they get you excited but once you actually commit to watching the movie it's like man this is this is empty you know this doesn't 
doesn't make me feel this doesn't make me feel like the original did it's impossible to do that and adam sandler the thing is he doesn't need to Mm -hmm. do it he's got all the money in the world he's got status he can still do whatever he wants he can go do and uncut gems with the safty brothers if he wants to he doesn't there's nothing about his career or his ability to do anything that he needs suddenly needs to do a happy gilmore sequel something like that will only a reemergence of any of his 90s characters will only come about if adam sandler feels like he wants to not if there's any sort of financial leverage given to him or any there no one can tell him anything at this point he's got his netflix money he's got you know he with uncut gems he showed that he can still be fucking awesome when he wants yeah. to be um so i yeah i i don't see i don't see this movie ever being revisited again unless uh unless adam sandler is just bored and decides that hey let's get the band back together and, and do something with happy Gilmore. I, I did like a lot of what i saw around the anniversary he and um shooter did a lot of public uh press availabilities i, I think they were on like the dan patrick show or so one of the one of those shows and and they mentioned that like they would love to you know make some sort of public appearance or contribution to charity through an actual golf tournament that would be an awesome like tip of the cap to the fans to come back in some sort of capacity like that um but yeah there's there's no need to ruin the lore of happy gilmore by coming back and making some sequel that no one cares about. None. None. This movie is perfect, Wes. Thanks so much for returning to Big Screen Sports, talking about talking about this movie with me. Uh, tell the folks again where they can follow you and what you're going to be doing uh, your new job. Yeah, Outsider.com. Um, a lot of shows in the works. Just start. I, this is my second week as we record this, but um, I know we'll have a podcast on the way um, that I think will be somewhat similar to this one. Uh, around the the realm of country music and, and country songs. So uh, if you're a big fan of 80s, 90s, 2000s country uh, singles and and those really resonated with you, any of those songs have through the years, um, you'll enjoy that. And then if you've been a fan of my Coffee Town work, I know we've got some stuff uh, planned for that as well to try to take that to the next level. So we're working on some of that and um, just trying to trying to entertain people. I know uh, we're hopefully moving towards a, a more normal life with with vaccines coming down the, the pipes for everybody. Very but soon. Um, very soon. But that that spirit of just trying to entertain people and there's still enough bad, crappy news out there to where entertainment and fun and humor. Uh, are still very important uh, as this show and the success of it demonstrates. So, Kyle, thanks for having me on. Check out um, Outsider.com, just at Outsider on Twitter. And you can follow me at Wes underscore the letter N, the word ship, Wes Blankenship. Wes, always a pleasure. Long live Coffee Town. Everyone go check that out. Looking forward to seeing what you come up with. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. 
rate, leave a five-star review. You folks know the drill. Also, if you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That is presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday. Great interview tomorrow, coming out tomorrow with uh, former minor league left-hand pitcher Tyler Watson. Um, talking about junior college baseball, talking about mental health, the importance of mental health in baseball. It's a great one. I encourage everyone to check that out. Episodes of Big Dream Sports come at you most Mondays, almost every Monday. Uh, so tune in to next week. Not sure what's on the docket, but I'm sure it's going to be fun. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.